0: and welcome to today's podcast i'm libby hall your host and with me are oyster ceo buddy doyle and consultants fred wagstaff sarah sutton and jay Donlin. whether you're starting an ria or running one there are some keys to growing a prosperous business in this episode our experts share their thoughts on defining success what does that look like to you and once you've defined what success looks like what do you need to consider
1: let's get started buddy Thanks Libby, Jay, Fred, Sarah, welcome back. It's good to have you uh, back with our listeners who are either thinking about starting an RIA or at least interested in learning about what happens as you start an RIA. And this is one that if you're running an RIA, could be an interesting topic for you, uh, which is Achieving Prosperity, Growing a Prosperous Business. And I'd like to open it up to the to the group to talk about growing a prosperous business and the things that you've seen that that work, the things that you've seen that haven't worked well. Um, For me, the number one key to growing a prosperous business is making the decision on what you mean by a prosperous business. What does that mean to you? But Jay, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on this. You've worked with an awful lot of RIA throughout the years. What do you think is some of the keys to success?
2: Yeah, buddy, so everybody has a different definition of success and just like you kind of touched on, what, it, what do you view as a prosperous business? Do you view it as just covering your costs and having a good salary or a good uh, compensation package for yourself? Is it uh, expanding the business and having partners and being able to uh, compensate your employees and your partners generously. So you have to decide kind of what your goal is when when you talk about a prosperous business. A lot of the, if you're a breakaway, a lot of the uh, things that you're used to just kind of having on your desktop, you know, software and technology and tech support and that sort of thing, they're all, you know, they all cost things. I mean, they cost cost money. Um, So, You have to be cognizant of that when you're looking at kind of building out your business, looking at prosperous versus profitable. Expenses are always a key, you know, being able to control them um, and have a plan, have a business plan in place um, in order to effectively run run your firm the way that you want to run your firm.
1: And Fred, I know you're the CFO in the room. I imagine I know what your answer is for a prosperous business. But uh, any thoughts you could share on Jay mentioned expenses and my my head immediately goes to CFO. Uh,
3: Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the 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 way that I view it is much the same the same way. You know, it starts with financial planning and analysis with me. Right, so FP&A, right, so that's where it starts, and you know I think you first have to you know, to build a model, right? You have to figure out, you know, what your levels of revenues are. You have to look at what your desired you know, profit and profit margin, you know, should be, you know, and then you start there, and then you work your way through up the expenses, because that's all everything in in between, right? And then you have to break them down between your variable cost, variable cost, and your fixed costs. And you know your variable cost. You just need to identify them, determine, you know what they uh, what they are. Number one, and how much is a percentage of your revenues they're going to be. And that some of the examples there. You know your your clearing cost. You know your ticket charges. Uh, variable compensation comes into there as well. And then you uh, once you you go through that, you look at that number. And then everything left between your your target margin uh, or profitability and um, and your revenues is your you know, your overhead cost or your fixed overhead costs. You know, and then once you do that, have to just identify those, you know, for things such as fixed compensation, rent, technology costs, equipment costs, insurance, licensing, et cetera. So all those things kind of come into play and and you have to kind of fit that, right, uh, with what you got. Otherwise, you're, you're not gonna run a profitable business or you're not gonna hit your targets. So, or you gotta increase your revenue, right? So one of the two. And one other thing that I'll say here is that, you know, uh, you know, as you're planning, you know, de- depending upon the size and the, you know, the, uh, the stage of your practice, you need to weigh the cost of benefits of, you know, hiring, you know, full-time uh, staff versus, you know, outsourcing for a particular function, right? I think, you know, uh, outsourcing makes sense from a financial perspective, oftentimes with a startup, you know, or a, a company that's in the early stages of, uh, of their existence. Yeah. In, in, in theory, it sounds easy that part, but it that that does take a lot of work and effort on the front end if it's going to be done correctly.
1: Yeah, and I, I've seen some some clients. I have one client in particular that, and I, I think part of your success, you know, criteria is what are you trying to build? And if if you're going out, you know, on your own and you're you're planning on growing your book of business and maybe adding some folks around you to help you grow your book of business, that's a much different uh, approach than if you're planning on uh, bringing in a bunch of financial advisors and recruiting in and building a firm that way. And one of our very successful clients that we were fortunate enough to work with early on and throughout their, uh, their life cycle when they first started, they they raised capital, they they got a capital infusion from investors to to build a fairly significant large organization. And they they had a, a whiteboard up uh, with days to zero, right? So they were tracking their daily burn rate, pre revenue and into, you know, getting revenue and growing that revenue to see how how far they were from zero dollars left. And it was it was amazing to see the the tension relief as that number started getting larger uh, in terms of days to zero when you pass that break even point. But I think it's more than just expense management as well. Uh, Sarah knows there are things that you have to do that cost money that are just part of the care and feeding of the platform. There's a cost of doing business that you have to do. And one of the interesting things is where people make decisions of what is mandatory and what is optional. And Sarah, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on some of the things where you see folks maybe didn't plan for the expense well enough or that S curve of growth where firms take a while to get going and then they start shooting up that take a while to get going, you know, often goes longer than what you projected. But Sarah, are there any particular items to be on the lookout for where you want to make sure you've got the money set aside, uh, the investment set aside or the time set aside to focus on fundamentals? Yeah, I
0: would definitely say, you know, first and foremost, you know, in Again, as you define your your business and what you personally define as having a prosperous business, as Jay had mentioned earlier, taking that and you know, your personal goals and how you're going to achieve them, and making sure that that it's attainable and do you have the right setup. So the first thing I would say is is staffing. You know, are, are you going to be a one man shop? Can you do or a one woman shop? Can you do everything? You know, do you need one uh administrative um, individual to help you? Uh do you need a an individual that can help on the investment side? You know, I think that that's one of the things is kind of high in the sky view of I can do it all and I'm gonna make all this money and I'm gonna, you know, everything is gonna be great and I'm gonna add all these people to my staff. If that's the route you're going, how are you gonna get there? And I think it starts with uh number one, there's only so many minutes in an hour and so many hours in the day. And you really have to to take into consideration what you what you truly can and cannot do, and what your capacity is. And I think you should always be prepared. You know especially initially, it's hard. It's hard to grow. It's hard to take that that leap and hire that other that additional person and kind of be in that mindset to delegate. Because if you do have staff, are you delegating? I would say that's probably one 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 critical standpoint. Another is you know your technology. And which we've discussed before, and your compliance piece. You know, in today's world, you can get what you pay for. And if you are limiting yourself to, I'm only going to add an, another advisor, I'm only going to add another administrative staff, what does that do to the rest of your business? And how can that affect your um, your, your underlying goals?
1: Yeah, and I think as I I listen to Jay talk about partners and employees and things like that, one of the things to keep in mind, as Sarah's mentioning delegation, is trust, cooperation is very important. This is a chemistry experiment that you're, you're putting together. There are things you have to do as an RIA to understand your client's goals and objectives and to bring them on board and to get their assets uh, at the custodian that you've selected so all the technology works you have people that you need to to pay to run that technology that you got to pay your vendors your custodians you've got to realize that you have to decide are you going to do something or are you going to delegate something and if you delegate it you've, you've got to make sure that you have a way to not just trust the person, but to verify that everything's getting done. So when you add more people in, you add some complexity, I would say focus on what you're trying to accomplish as a business, focus on what you're needing to do, and then focus on, it's like you're running a, a car shop almost, right? What are the parts? What are the labor? How does this all add up? And how does that serve my client? Does that get them what they need to meet their goals and objectives? And it sure helps when you look at it in a similar fashion to the advice you give. What's your time horizon? What's your tolerance for risk? What happens if things go wrong? How are you gonna recover? But you gotta make sure this stuff gets done. Jay, you've been a big get stuff done guy your whole career. Um any any thoughts on how to organize all this stuff?
2: Yeah. So uh, it's funny, buddy you use the analogy of a car because um we use the term run the engine. So when you're when you're out building your your chassis of your firm, you say you build a four-door sedan and you're running the engine by yourself, it doesn't cost much more to go pick up a few other people and put them in that car and keep driving. And that's leveraging the platform that you build. As you continue to grow, you're able to leverage that platform and the profitability and the, your organization continues to grow with that. And so you want to make sure that you build that that kind of run the engine platform the way you want to leverage it in the future, what you envision to leverage in the future. And there's not to say that you have to have it all solved day one, but to have it in, in your mind on how to uh, you know, accomplish that goal uh, in the future, what your goals are and how to get there is, is pretty important uh, from the start. Um, how, to, how to run it, um, you know, it's always good. I think you touched on it, good people, right? You gotta have good people. Like you said, it's a, a chemistry experiment. You know, do you have the right people? Do they all mesh very well? If you have a lot of turmoil amongst the group, it's gonna, it's gonna cause problems. It's not gonna be as efficient. You wanna make sure that the people meld well you know, in the organization, your technology, you want to make sure that you can leverage technology as much as possible in this world, because that creates that excess capacity that you can continue to grow and not have to layer on additional expenses. Those are the kind of the the key items that I, in my career, I've seen people, uh, you know, that are successful, do it well, and people that aren't successful struggle in making sure their firm is prosperous.
1: And I think when you mentioned turmoil, right, there's a time for turmoil and that's in the planning phase. That's where you want to challenge the ideas and where you want people to kind of weigh in. But after you've made the decision about how to move forward, you you don't want turmoil. It's okay to be challenged. And one of the things you're going to learn when you start an RIA is that You have to not just think like a financial advisor to be successful. You have to be able to get into the head of your clients and to understand what they need from you and how you need to communicate with them. And you've probably been pretty successful at that where you are if you're thinking about starting an RIA. Uh, But you also have to think like an operations person and you may have been in conflict with your ops team at your current firm or not, but you are also going to have to think like a regulator and a compliance person. There's a lot of ways that folks come at you. So you want effective challengers to the preconceived notion. You want people pointing out risk as you start to operate. But you got to get that balance between a healthy debate and turmoil. And once the decision is made, and once you've agreed to lock arms, you got to keep moving and have a process for effective challenge uh, to, to a process that's in motion, realizing momentum is a pretty powerful force. Once you start down a path, you're down that path to to change it takes a little effort. But you want to go down that path pretty hard most of the time. It can be really interesting as you get things going but keep in mind you you have to not just trust the advisors in your firm because you are an advisor but to to keep in mind you know if you're running a firm there's a little bit of a different animal to it uh you'll you have a duty to the to the firm to see it be successful and sometimes that means trusting and verifying sometimes it means trusting and looking at it and going, whoops, we made a mistake, we've got to make this right. Fred, sometimes it seems like things are going to work, right? You get excited, you're moving down the plan. uh, And then, you know, from a financial perspective, maybe things aren't turning out the way way you planned for it. Uh, Any thoughts on how to get in front of those issues that where, where your plans aren't going as well as you you had hoped and you know sooner's always better from my perspective in and, and making decisions even if it's stay the course but any, yes. any thoughts on what to look for there
3: yeah sure buddy um, uh, I you know kind of taken from what I said earlier about the fp a right so the the second half of that is the, the analysis phase right which is exactly what you're talking about. So, you know, you need to always make sure that you're, you know, you're measuring, you know, your actual results versus your model, right? You really need to pay attention to the numbers all the time, every month. And as you're you're paying attention to those, you really need to develop, in my view, I think this works uh, from things I've seen in the past. You develop key metrics to look at, right? And you have to... Pick which key metrics are key to the success of running your business. Some of the things you know that uh, that come to mind are you know average uh, AUM you know per account, total AUM, the number of accounts that you have, new assets in, new assets out, or or, or assets transferred out, uh, your variable you know and fixed expense ratios, etc. You know all those kinds of things. But you need to you know pick some key metrics and really focus in on that and and determine where it's going good and where and more importantly where it's going bad right so and then as you go through that you have to make the decisions as to you know what's causing this to be out of whack is it a lack of revenue is it expenses too high do you need to cut some things etc etc uh, i would also say you need to you know pay particular attention to your balance sheet right you need to look at your balance sheet all the time you know look at your underlying general ledger accounts and for you know for a small RIA a lot of times that's the owner right that's doing that kind of stuff and um, you know that's not not that fun to have to get into the weeds and look at it and look at it from a a regulatory and a financial perspective you have to look and and see what you got make sure you don't have any aged items in your general ledger accounts so that you don't have an uh uh-oh moment you know down the road that you have you know a big expense write-off or something like that And the other thing is, that you know, I think you, you this is what you were asking about initially, is that you have to really be able to adapt and adapt quickly to your situation.
2: Hey buddy. One thing that, um, that we should bring up is there's a tendency, especially among small business owners, to, you know, when you run into some sort of trouble like Fred's talking about is to cut, cut, cut. And I've never seen a business cut their cut themselves into prosperity, right? Cut cut expenses into prosperity. There becomes a time where you have to make a decision. Hey, I got to go get more revenue, or I've got to change my business plan, um, and I have to invest, right, in the company in some way, whether it's marketing, whether it's some sort of uh, software or or tool that you can utilize to expand the business, um, may, maybe a fiduciary review tool or something to that respect. Just be careful that you don't get into this kind of focused uh, tunnel vision of, well, oh, I got to cut, cut, cut in my way to prosperity because I've never seen it work. I've always seen it just become problematic over the long run. Yeah, you can cut some expenses in the short run and, and, and address some immediate needs. But in the long run, it's a, it's a revenue generated business. You need to go get more revenue and you may need to invest in the firm in order to generate that additional revenue.
1: And that is something that I think is a challenge as a small business owner myself, I try to think about my expenses as investments or expenses, right? There are things that where I'm investing money with the expectation of of growth of some form or fashion, whether that's through an efficiency gain, or through top line revenue gains, adding additional products and services to the oyster line. We do those things all the time, and I, I look at at a time horizon just like you would with your client. Generally, I make investment decisions with a t- three-year time horizon. Today, it seems hard to look out five years and uh, with any level of certainty, so that's where I come in, but some things I want a one year payback on. And so I think it's not all things are are built the same. And Jay, I agree with you if you're if you're finding yourself cutting uh, to to meet your goals and objectives, you either were pretty, you know fluffy to begin with, right? where you were just spending freely and that happens. Uh, in certain organizations where cutting can be prudent but I think it it really is about having your eye on the long-term prize the long-term value making those decisions if you've taken other people's money in and you've got you know investors you obviously have a fiduciary duty to them you have to look out for for their timelines which may or may not. Match up to yours. That's a whole other way to get yourself in trouble. But I do think that that if you're cutting your way to prosperity, it sounds a little concerning to me. So, but the other thing is you have to think about problems differently. If you are a one-person shop and you're spending half your time bookkeeping, you're probably not gathering new clients with new assets. If you're spending all your time tinkering with technology, that's fun. That's cool. Maybe you ought to talk to a recruiter about getting other financial advisors in. So there's a lot of ways to look at your personality as a a business owner uh, and what you're good at, what you like to do, along with what has to be done and decide, how do I plug in? Not everybody wants to be a compliance officer when they grow up, so do you take that role on yourself? Do you ask for somebody else to come in and do that? Do you get an outsourced consulting firm like the one we are, or do you try to grow somebody internally that may have been your ops person in a branch? And there are pros and cons to all of it. So I I think you've got to carefully consider, is that person who was ops manager in the branch ready for an SEC exam or are they ready for a branch exam? And I think if your answer is they're ready for the SEC exam, then that's your answer. And so it, it really is facts and circumstances around all of this.
0: Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how Oyster can help you start, run, or grow your RIA, contact us at OysterLLC.com, and we'll be happy to chat with you. If you like what you heard today, follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to, and give us a review. Reviews make it easier for people to find us. Have a great day.